that we have to hope. Like singing about the truth that Jesus shed his blood for us and that we might be saved, we might be forgiven. I like singing about redemption. How do you know redemption? The word itself actually means to be bought back. The Bible says that we were slaves to sin, but now, uh, because of the redemption offered to the finished work of Jesus, we can go from being slaves of, to sin to sons and daughters of God. And so, for that this morning, I am truly thankful. I love singing about the blood, redemption, uh, the good things of God. Thank you, brother, for that. Uh, and all the worship team, great job as always. Everybody take your Bibles, your copy of the Word of God this morning, and turn with me over to John chapter number 16 is what I want to look at. John 16, we'll be looking at just three or four verses. And um, it's good to hear those, hear those pages turning. Man, I, I want to encourage you to do something. When you come to the house of God to worship, bring your Bible with you. Bring your Bible with you or something with your Bible on. And I know that we've got these screens and, and that's for, for my benefit and for yours and, and we use those. But I like having my Bible with me. I like being able to take my Bible and listen, if something jumps off the page at me, I can take my pen and underline. If I need to make a note in my margin, I can make a note in my margin. One of the greatest gifts I've ever been given was two of my deacons a few years ago uh, took my Bible and got it rebound. And I'm so glad they were able to do that because I was able to keep all my sermon notes. I had sermon notes and uh, sermon outlines and uh, just special things that the Lord had spoke to me at right at the right time. Isn't that good when God does that? I mean, you'll be following along in your Bible or you'll be reading your Bible in a personal quiet time and all of a sudden a certain uh, scripture, will just, it's like it jumps off the page at you. It's like God gives you just what you need when you need it. That's why I want you to have your Bible. I promise you, you will get so much more out of the service if you bring your Bible with you. So take your copy, turn to John chapter number 16, and I want to share with you this morning three truths that you'll never learn in school. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Before I go any further, I want you to know I'm not against school and I'm not against a good education. As a matter of fact, I think you ought to get all the education that you need or want. I think that's a, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. You can learn a lot of useful things in school. You can gain a, not, a lot of knowledge from school. What bothers me sometimes We've got a lot of people who gain a lot of knowledge through a lot of education, but they don't have godly wisdom. And so really what happens is then you just have educated fools. And, and sometimes that takes place. But I want you to know there's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with learning. That just has to be mixed with godly wisdom that can only come through the person of God, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk a lot about that this morning. So there's a, a nothing wrong with school. I'm for school. I'm for a good education. I think you ought to get it when you're younger. I tried to get mine when I was older, and it's a little bit more difficult doing that. But school is a good thing. But these three things, no teacher's ever going to teach you in a classroom. Matter of fact, these three things I'm going to share with you this morning, no Sunday school teacher is ever really going to be able to teach you. These three things I'm going to share with you today, not even a pastor in a pulpit are going to, is going to be able to teach you these things. I can't teach them to you. See, these three things we're going to look at this morning, straight from the Word of God, are three truths that can only be taught by the person of God, the Holy Spirit. I've told you before, I'm going to keep telling you, folks, I can preach truth to you, but only the Holy Spirit of God can impart truth to you. I can share with you what it means, but only God, the Holy Spirit, can make it real to you. He can do what He wants, when He wants, in the way that He wants, in the right timing, for the right reason, to fulfill His purpose. And all of that comes through His truth. And so we need to open our hearts, open our minds, 
and see what God's Holy Spirit teaches us right here from John chapter number 16. Everybody take and look with me there in verse number 7 to begin with. John 16, verse number 7. Jesus says something that absolutely amazes me here. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus says, it's necessary that I leave. Speaking to his early disciples and to uh, modern day disciples. He says, it's necessary that I leave and go back to the Father. Look what, look the next part of this verse. For if I go not away, the comforter, everybody say comforter, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus said, it's expedient, it's necessary, it's actually good for you that I'm going to be going away because when I go away, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm going to send back to you the comforter. Now the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And the comforter here, that word that's translated in the English, is actually in the Greek the word parakletos. Let me tell you what the word parakletos means. Parakletos means one that comes alongside to help you. Can you say it again? How many know that the Holy Spirit is our helper? He comes alongside us to help us to know God. He comes alongside us to teach us what we need to be taught. He comes alongside to help the believer in fulfilling the purpose God has for your life. And he tells us three other things he does. Watch what he says. The comforter, when he has come, look down at verse number 18. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Everybody see that? He will reprove the world. Now the word reprove means to convince or to convict. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convinces us or convicts us of three truths we know. Now he does more. We'll, we'll look at that as we, we go further into this probably next week and the next. But first and foremost, listen, the Holy Spirit of God convinces and convicts us of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Everybody see that? Let's pray about it. Father, again, we love you. Lord, we need you. We can do nothing without you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your truth. Have your will in this place. Do what you want and speak to us the truth that we stand in need of. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I'm asking you this morning that you would open your heart and open your mind um, to the truth that God, the Holy Spirit, I know wants to share with each and every one of us. Now, listen to me, folks. You need to understand that God the Holy Spirit is all about sharing truth that sets people free. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Jesus said, I am going to tell you the truth. He said that from the first moment he began preaching. Now, if you read throughout the, the Gospels, many times you're going to see that it will say, verily, verily. Anybody know what that means? Truly, truly, Jesus said, look, I'm telling you the truth. Now, you need to put your listening ears on. You need to put your thinking cap on. You need to be ready for what you're about to receive. Now, that doesn't mean that only them things are true when Jesus says, verily, verily. That just means, hey, you need to listen up. I'm just going to give you something that's vitally important right here. He says, verily, verily, I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't let Jesus say, I speak the truth. I'm going to give you the truth of what I say. He says, I'm the very essence of truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, how many of you know when God the Holy Spirit who comes, listen to me now, in the place of Jesus to do His work in this world, He does what Jesus does. He speaks truth. He teaches truth. And it's that truth that we gain from the person of the Holy Spirit that sets us free. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Now watch. He says, I'm going to give you truth, first of all, 
concerning sin. And that's something we all got to get a hold of. Verse number 9 says, He will reprove the world of sin. Watch this now. Because they believe not in me. Now watch what, 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 what this means. First of all, we need to understand the Bible teaches we are sinners in three specific ways. How many of you understand this morning? We are sinners by nature. Now what do I mean by that? I mean that we are natural born sinners. How many of you understand that a human being, a man, woman, boy, or girl, they don't have to do one thing to become a sinner? You really don't. You came here a sinner. Just like I came here a sinner. Born by the seed of sin. Listen to me now. Now, And we were, we were born with that sinful nature that came all the way back from Adam. The Bible makes it clear to us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 3. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature, watch what this says now, the children of wrath. That means by nature, our, through our physical birth, we were under God's wrath because of our very nature. Not just because of what we had done, we have done anything yet, but because of who we really are. Man, men, women, boy and girl, human beings, mankind, listen to me now, at the core of our nature, we are sinners. He said, but I thought we were sinners because of all the things that people do. Well, that, that, that's true, but now listen to me. If I came in here this morning and, and I said to you, I'll tell you what, I just haven't been feeling good. I mean, I've got itchy, watery eyes. I, I've got a runny nose. I've got a sore throat. I, I'm coughing my head off. My head just feels like it's all kind of congested. Some of you would probably say that I've got a cold, right? Now, how do you know all of those symptoms that I just mentioned are, are just that, symptoms of the root cause? And when we look into people's lives and we see sin or we see sin in our own lives, that is just symptoms of the root cause of a sinful nature that all of us were born with. Each and every one of us. I love Dr. Tony Evans. I've told you this before. He, he blesses my heart. But he says something concerning uh, the sinful nature of man that makes sense to me. Because if there's one thing that I always struggled with, it was this. How can a newborn baby come here a sinner? Because they hadn't done anything yet. They're innocent as far as I could see. And that's how I felt about it. Until I became a father. Dr. Tony Evans said this. He said he, he thought when, whenever he held that little bitty baby in his arms for the first time, he said, man, he thought it was an angel sent straight from heaven. He said before long he figured out that as that baby's legs grew longer, its angel wings grew shorter. <laughs> and he's right. We begin to see in, in children that we don't have to teach them how to do what's wrong. We've got to teach them how to do what's right. Why is that? Because they were born sinners under the wrath of God. They were born children of wrath. Just like Ephesians 2 and 3 says. They were born with the seed of sin. They were born, listen to me now, uh, with, with a curse that was passed down from generation to generation to generation all the way down to you and me. And that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam chose to disobey God. 
They came here sinners. We came here sinners. Now, I know this is hard truth sometimes for us to, to really get a hold of. Matter of fact, I've come to find out in preaching the Word of God and sharing my faith and listen, going door to door and, and, and sharing the gospel at my workplace and going on mission trips, I've come to find out people don't like you to call them sinners. That can become offensive to some. Listen, folks. The truth is, not just some are sinners. The truth is, we all are sinners. You say, brother, you mean you're a sinner? Absolutely I'm a sinner. But let me tell you something. By God's grace, I've been forgiven. I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. Not because of who I am, but because of what He's done for me. And that's true for anybody that's ever been born again. So we are all sinners standing in need of a Savior. We didn't have to do one thing to become a sinner. We came here a sinner born with a sinful nature under the wrath of God according to the Scriptures. It's very important that we realize that. Now, we've got to get a hold of this truth because truth is really the issue. Now, there may be some who are afraid of the truth and they're, they're cowards. There may be some, listen to me now, who are not afraid of the truth but think they got all the truth and they're just arrogant. And there may be some who will only believe part of the truth and they're just lazy. <laughs> and then there may be some who want to receive the truth with an open heart and open mind and we call them humble. So what I'm asking you to do today is humble yourself and allow God to give His truth to you. By the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? We're all sinners. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Stand in need of a Savior. Now, having said that, you need to understand, God doesn't want reformation or change in behavior. He don't just want that. He wants restoration. See, just simply reforming your behavior will not make you right with God. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's say you do reform your behavior. Let's just say that, that, you, that you're witnessing to somebody and you tell them, you know what? Hey, listen, you're, you, you've got a problem with drugs. You're a drug addict. And if you don't stop taking those drugs, listen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring a great harm to your life. And, and you need to get right with God and stop taking the drugs and, 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 and do what you need to do. And they say, you know what? You're right. I am doing wrong. I am a sinner. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do better. And guess what he does? He stops taking the drugs. And he cleans his life up. How many of you know, without the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit working on that man to perform the work of salvation, all he'll do is go to hell sober. That's right. Because God is not about reformation, but restoration. What is he restoring us to? He's restoring us to what he originally created us for. Human beings, mankind, who have a relationship with His Creator. Amen? That's what God wants from you. Not reformation, but restoration. Parents, I found something this week that I want all of us to listen to. And this speaks of the sinful nature that we're all born with. It was written by the Minnesota Crime Commission on Juvenile Delinquency. 
And really what this is is a think tank they put together to try and figure out why they have so much violent crime among, among juveniles. This is what they come up with. It's amazing. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish, self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His toy, his mother's attention, his uncle's watch, or whatever else. Deny him these things, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous if he were not so helpless. What's this name? He is dirty. He has no knowledge, no developed skills. This means that all children, not just some, are born delinquent. Have you ever been around those parents who think their children do no wrong? They'll bless your heart, brothers and sisters. According to this study that was done by the Minnesota Crime Commission, all children are born delinquent. Now, they could have saved a whole lot of time on a think tank and a whole lot of money if they'd just read the Word of God. Because God's Word teaches us. All of us come here with that sinful nature. Listen to this. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, if given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy every one of them, every child would grow up a criminal. What's that mean? That means they came here sinners. We ain't got to teach them to do what's wrong. They come here knowing that. We got to teach them how to do what's right. So the first thing that we must see is that we are sinners by nature, but not only are we sinners by our very nature, born a sinner, but listen to me now, we're also sinners in action of what we choose to do. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Do you see that? None of us do what's right according to God's standard. None of us. Let me tell you why. Because in our sinful nature, no one is seeking after God. Look at verse 11. Look what it tells us. There is none that understand it. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And then the Bible sums it all up for us. We keep reading in Romans 3.23. Watch this. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What I want you to see is we are sinners because of who we are, but we're also sinners because of what we do. Now, most people just think, well, we're sinners because of what we do. Listen to me, folks. The adulterer, the liar, the thief. Because they commit adultery, because they lie, because they steal, that doesn't make them a sinner. Listen, they're a sinner. Therefore, they commit adultery. Therefore, they lie. Therefore, they steal. Amen? We're sinners by who we are, but we're also sinners by what we do. That's what the Bible's teaching right here in Romans chapter number 3. 
So we know that we are sinners by who we are, we're sinners by what we do, but there's something else the Bible shares with us all the way back over in, uh, in John chapter number number 6. Let's go back there for a moment. John or 16. John chapter 16. What's this for? He says, He will reprove, convince, or convict the world of sin. He says, because they believe not on me. We're sinners. Because of who we are, our very nature makes us sinful. Listen, we're sinners by what we do. Our actions make, me, make us sinful. But we're also sinners because of what we've not done. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus. He says of sin because they have not yet believed. If you're here this morning and you've not yet believed, you're a sinner. Standing in need of the Savior. Do you see? You say, no, wait a minute, brother. I mean, listen, um, I may not be perfect, but I still think I'm that bad person. I mean, I remember, and this has been my experience in preaching, sharing my faith, going witnessing, whatever. The hardest thing to get people to realize is their need for a Savior. Matter of fact, I'm not just going to say it's hard. I believe it's impossible for me to do that. See, that's something only God, the Holy Spirit, can share with that person. When He convinces and convicts him, reproves them of sin. I remember I'm a, I'm a true crime, crime junkie. Uh, I read true crime novels. I, I listen to true crime podcasts. I watch true crime shows. That's something I enjoy. Years ago, I was watching Dateline. They had a Dateline from out in Austin, Texas. I'll never forget it. And this young lady, she's 16, 17 years old, and started dating a young man that her mother did not approve of. He was much older than her, too old to be dating a 16, 17-year-old. And, and she forbid her daughter to go on another date with this young man. Well, that enraged the daughter and also this young man she was dating. So later that night... Uh, the daughter, with help from her boyfriend, broke into the house and stabbed the mama 36 times in the bed. Killed her. I'll never forget what this young lady said when she was being interviewed. She said, I'm really not that bad of a person. And I thought, my goodness. Compared to what? <laughs> But listen, that's how people usually think. Without the convincing and the convicting of the Holy Spirit. We'll look around at everybody else and say, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than him. And I may not be perfect, but I ain't done what she's done. And I may not be perfect, but I'm doing the best I can. Listen to me, folks. We're all guilty before God who is righteous, holy, perfect, and just. Sinners by nature. Sinners in action. Sinners because of unbelief. 
John 3.18. Look at this verse. Write it down if you're taking notes, man. This is a good one. John chapter 3, verse number 18. Watch what the Bible says. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not on him, not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what the Bible is teaching us there is that if you believe not on Jesus, you're in condemnation before the Lord. I warn you today. I beg you today. By grace through faith, trust in Christ. He's the Savior of the world. He died for your sin. You're sinners. We're sinners. And we're all once separated from God because of our sinful nature, because of our sinful actions, because of our unbelief. But I am thankful this morning. Those who trust in Jesus can and will be saved. Gospel message. Not only does the Holy Spirit give us the truth concerning sin, but He also gives us the truth concerning salvation. John 16 10, watch this, of righteousness, because I go to my Father. He's going to convince us or convict us, watch this now, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. What does this mean? How do you understand that when Jesus came to this earth, He came righteously? What does righteous even mean? Sometimes I think we speak Christianese, and because we've read these things and studied these things and grew up around these things, we think everybody knows what these words actually mean. So what does righteous mean? That's a good question. Righteousness, to be righteous, can almost hear the meaning when you say the word. To be righteous means you've done, you've done everything right, watch this now, according to God's standard. Now why is it according to my standard? Because I didn't create the world. I didn't create the universe. My standard don't matter. My standard of righteousness is not what we go by. Your, your standard of righteousness is not what, what we go by. See, I may look at you and say, hey, I'll tell you what, by my standard of righteousness, that's a pretty good guy. And you may look at me and by your standard of righteousness, hey, that's a pretty good guy. But listen to me, folks. I want you to know this. None of us will be judged according to our standard of righteousness. God's standard of righteousness is what matters. And if you've got a problem with that, then you're going to have to create your own universe. Create your own moral law. But until you can, you better come under the authority of God and His standard. Now, how can we do that? Well, that's a good question. That's where the plan of redemption comes into. That's where righteousness makes sense to us through the plan of salvation. Let, let me tell you what I mean by this. Jesus came here righteous. We, we, we celebrated Christmas time that the, the, the Bible teaches we believe that Jesus came born of a virgin. Can you say it again? What does that mean? He was not born through the seed of sin. He wasn't born under wrath like Ephesians 2, 3 says. We were all born 
under wrath. He had come by the seed of Adam, but he came by the precious, powerful Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and listen, was born to a virgin mother to be born perfect, free of sin. He was born righteous, but how many of you know, not only was he born right, born righteous, but he also lived righteously. The Bible says he didn't come to do away with the law, God's standard of right and wrong. He came to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it perfectly. The whole time he lived upon this earth, and the Bible says he went to a cross and died for our sin. Amen? Now listen to me. It is through the righteousness of Christ that we can be born again. Made right with God. He said, Brother, how do you know that? What the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 4. Let's look there very quickly. Romans chapter number 4. And let's look at verses 5 and 6, brother, please. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. When you choose to believe on God that justifies you, makes you right because of His finished work. The Bible says the righteousness of God will be applied to you. Look at verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Let me tell you something. That means you can do absolutely nothing to save yourself. But what you can do is believe on Jesus and His very righteousness will be put on your account. That's what it's talking about. Jesus came righteously to this earth. Jesus lived righteously while he was here fulfilling the law. And he went to the cross and died so that his righteousness could be put on our account by grace through faith. Are you getting it? The Bible says, listen to me now. The Bible says, Holy Spirit will convince and convict us of the righteousness of Christ. That's what it's talking about. Going down. John chapter 16. Verse number 11. The Holy Spirit will teach us the truth concerning sin. The Holy Spirit will teach us the truth concerning salvation. The Holy Spirit will teach us the truth concerning Satan himself. Of judgment because the prince of this world everybody say is judged. Not will be judged. Not might be judged. But it speaks to the present tense and says he is judged. Now what does that mean? Well that means he Satan had power over us because of sin. Jesus went to the cross as the perfect, righteous, holy Son of God and God the Son. Listen to me now. And took the punishment for my sin and for your sin and for the sin of the whole world. Thereby destroying the power of Satan. Because when Jesus forgives sin, Satan has no power. You understand? So the scripture says, the prince of this world, the God, little G of this age, the Bible calls him, Satan himself has already lost the victory. 
We sing the song, Victory in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we're not just singing words on the page. That's a reality for everybody who's trusted in Christ and been born again. Satan has no power over us. Sin has no more hold on us because we've been saved by the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness has been imputed on our behalf, put on our account. If you're thankful for that this morning, say amen. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you something. Is that real to you? Dr. Adrian Rogers said something years ago I'll never forget. He said, most people are going to miss heaven and go to hell by about 18 inches. He said, that's the difference between their head and their heart. What he meant by that, they have a head knowledge of who God is. They have a head knowledge of what it means that they are sinners. They have a head knowledge of what it means that Jesus died on the cross. They have a head knowledge of what it means that he has gained the victory. Folks, listen to me. Trusting in the gospel and being born again is more than just a mental ascent to it. It's more than just you knowing intellectual facts and figures about what God has done. What God the Holy Spirit does when He imparts this truth to you. Not only does He let you know Jesus died, but He lets you know He died for your sin. Not only does He let you know, listen to me now, that you can be made righteous. By His supernatural work, the righteousness is imputed unto us. This morning, I'm praying, I'm trusting, I'm asking that God the Holy Spirit does His work that only He can do. And I'm praying and I'm hoping that today you leave here knowing that you know that your sins have been forgiven. Not just knowing about the Lord, but knowing Him personally. Not just on an intellectual level, but on a spiritual level. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Before. We thank you, Lord, for this good day. We thank you for these great truths. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you promise to convince and convict hearts. And Lord, this morning, I know you can do what I never, what I can never do, what I, I, I'm not able to do. Lord, I can preach this truth, but only you can impart this truth to the hearer. Lord, we're praying that happens today in Jesus. If you're here this morning, and you've already been born again, and you know it, you know God the Holy Spirit has done a work on the inside that's made a difference on the outside. You know your sins have been forgiven, you've got a right relationship with God of heaven, and you know that you know that you've been born again. What I'm going to ask you to do right now, I'm going to ask you to pray for those who have not. Maybe they're sitting in this service. Maybe those lost loved ones that you care so much for in your life that you know need Jesus. What I'm praying for today. Folks, I believe Jesus is still in saving business, don't you? I think it's still His will to save lost sinners. 
And I believe we have not many times because we ask not. And we ask not because we're not as concerned as we need to be for those who are under the wrath of God on their way to a devil's end. So if you've already been born again, I should be praying for the lost in this service, praying for that lost, lost man, lost woman, lost friend, loved one that's on your mind right now that you know needs Jesus. You be praying for them. Now listen, make this your altar. Come right here and pray for them. I'll be glad to pray with you. Pray for you. Pray that God opens the door for Him to use you in their life. We'll, we'll, we'll pray and ask God because I believe God is able. If you're here today, not yet been born. Maybe you've had a head knowledge, but you know you don't have the heart knowledge. You see what you're missing in the lives of someone else. Maybe today God, the Holy Spirit, has made this real to you. You know you need Jesus. Let me encourage you. I beg with you. I plead with you. Do not Let me tell you what happens. When you reject the convicting and the convincing of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again, your heart becomes more hardened to that each and every time. And so I believe there'll come a time when you will not even see your need for salvation. And that is extremely dangerous. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't worry about what somebody else says or thinks. Don't worry about your family. Let me tell you something. If anybody here today has a problem with you trusting in Jesus, they've got the problem. Let me tell you what we're going to do. You come today and you get saved. We're going to rejoice with you. We're going to pray with you. Listen, we're going to accept you into the beloved as brothers and sisters in Christ. The scripture says this. There's joy in heaven. Over one sinner that repents. And I promise you there'll be some joy right here in this place over one sinner that repents too. God is good. He loves you. So you've tried all this stuff. There's still no peace. And you've done the best you can do, but you've realized your best just ain't good enough. Thank you.